Well, we've come through two holiday seasons, one that is focusing on thanksgiving and another one that's focusing on joy, the good news of great joy, which is for all people, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we bring this year to a close, I thought it might be good to look at a passage of scripture that tells us that we are not just to be thankful at Thanksgiving and we're not just to have joy at Christmas, but we are to rejoice always. We are to pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks for that is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. As we bring this year to a close, a year that many of us wish had never happened, a year filled with trials and tribulations beyond what we ever thought was possible as a world, as a nation, and for many of us as individuals, I thought it would be good to be reminded of these three commands. You see, in God's word, these are commands that are given to us for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, those of us who are believers in Christ. This is the attitude and the actions that we are to take in our lives. But not only are they commands given, but this is God's will for us who are in Christ Jesus. You know, so many people, they worry about being in or getting out of God's will. And they come like to a pastor and they say, you know, I'm trying to make this decision. Should I move to this city or to that city? Should I take this job or that job? You know, and they say, I just, I want to make the right decision. I don't want to get out of God's will. So I'm, I'm coming to you to, to find the information. And in those kinds of decisions, God doesn't give us direct revelation as to which one is the best. He gives us freedom. But there are parts of God's word that we find that he gives us direct revelation. And in this passage, he says that this is God's will for you who are in Christ Jesus to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. So let's begin by looking at an outline of what we're going to see this morning. In chapter 5, verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians, we're going to see that we are to rejoice always. And then in verse 17, we're going to see that we are to pray without ceasing. And then in verse 18, in everything, give thanks. But before we get to our passage, we need some background. So let's begin with some background and some context. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. He had established his church around 51 AD on his second missionary journey. He's writing this letter shortly after to give them encouragement, comfort, and exhortation. You see, they were going through a time of persecution and, and all of the churches at that time were going through some harsh persecution. They were being persecuted for their faith. And, and whenever I say persecution, it's not like we think about here in America or even more here in Oklahoma, you know, where we may be made fun of, we may even have a chance of losing our job, but here people were being put to death for standing for their faith. And so Paul deals with that in chapter four, he says, you know, you grieve as those you grieve in a different way, not as those who have no hope because we have hope. What is our hope that one day Jesus Christ is coming back? and he's going to come and get us, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so that in that context, in what he's talking about, we can rejoice always, we can pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, because we have hope, not just hope in this life, but an eternal hope 
with our heavenly father. Then Paul reminds them of who they are, that they're brothers and sisters in Christ, that they are sons of light. And then he exhorts them how to live, how they should live as believers as they wait the return of Christ. They are not to be lazy. They're not just to be hanging out, but they are to be alert and they're to be on fire and they're to be fulfilling God's will for their lives. Then he deals with relational aspects. He deals with leadership within the body. And then he deals with how are we to relate to one another? Why has God given us each other? And in verse 11, he says that we are to build up one another. We're to encourage one another. And then in chapter five, verse 14, he says, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and all people. So we see that we are to help those who are around us in whatever need, whatever area that they need help with. If they're unruly, if they're faint-hearted, if they're weak, we are to be patient with everyone and we're to do good, not just for the other people, but we are to do what is good for everyone with all the things that are going on in our world and with all of the, the turmoil and the pandemic and, and the elections and all of that. I see a lot of people lashing out at one another rather than doing showing brotherly love to one another and caring for one another and doing what is right in the sight of all people. But from that aspect of dealing with relationships, he goes to the individual. And he says, what are all of us individually who are in Christ, how are we to be living? What is God's will for our lives? And this is not inclusive as to all of God's will, but he gives three specific commands and they are to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. These commands make a nice little sandwich, you know, and the meat is in the middle. How can we rejoice always? How can we give thanks in every situation? It deals with our communication with God. We have to be a prayerful people. We have to be praying without ceasing. And we'll see what that means here in just a few minutes. And before we get to our passage of scripture, I want us just to look very quickly at the verbs. They are rejoice, pray, and give thanks. I think most of us who are here and most of us who are watching, we can say that, yeah, there are times in my life that I rejoice. You know, there's been some great things that have happened in my life, and so I rejoice. And then we say, you know, I'm a prayerful person. I pray maybe in the mornings, or I pray at mealtime, or I pray with my kids. And so, prayer, I've got that under control, or give thanks. You know, there's been a lot of things that have happened throughout my life that are worthy to me to give thanks for. But whenever we just see the, the verbs, we don't get all the information. And so look at these descriptor words that go with those verbs. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, in every circumstance in our lives, we are to give thanks. That's where the rubber meets the road and that's where it gets a little more difficult. These verses are short, sweet, and easy to read, but they're hard to make application. So let's get to the first verse in 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, and it says, rejoice always. This is the shortest verse in the, in the Greek New Testament. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, and it simply says, rejoice always. There's a lot that's transpired over this past year with COVID. Many people are scared on so many levels because of the pandemic. But then added to that is all the political turmoil that's going on in our nation. And then added to that is the election. And so you may be thinking, how can we rejoice at this time? How can we have joy in our lives with all that is going on? You know, for many of us, um, Christmas and Thanksgiving looked a lot different this year than it has in the past. You know, many families, they didn't get together and um, interact with one another to be able to touch one another and hug one another. They just had to do it through a Zoom meeting or through FaceTime or something like that. And so you say, how can we have joy at Christmas time? How can we rejoice whenever we're separated? And so Paul is telling us though, that we are to rejoice always. And he's talking to the to the Thessalonians and he's telling them the same thing. And what are they going through? They're going through a great time of persecution. People are being put to death for standing for Jesus Christ. And so he's not saying rejoice always because things are going great in your life. He's saying, look, the, the things that are going on in the world with them is very similar to the things that are going on with us and the persecution that was going on with them. If the world keeps going in the direction it's going, we're gonna be dealing with some of that similar um, persecution here in America, here in Oklahoma. So Paul is telling them to rejoice always. You know, and you may be thinking, well, yeah, I know all the things that are going on in the world and all of that, but you don't know my individual situation. How can you say that I need to rejoice always? Well, the truth is it's not me who's telling you to rejoice always. It's God's word that is telling you to rejoice always. Paul, what was he? He was in prison in, in, he was writing this letter to the Philippians and in chapter four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. As he is strapped to a guard in, in prison, he is writing, rejoice always. He is rejoicing. He doesn't just preach the word, he lives it out by example and we'll see that even more here in just a few minutes. So we can have hope, we can rejoice always and it's how can we do that with all the negativity that's going on and I think it deals with our perspective. Do we have a perspective that this world is, is where we're living and, and this is what it's all about? Or are we looking to our eternal future? Are we looking at those who are around us and impacting lives that are around us? Are we living for God? Are we living for ourselves? Are we selfish? And so in looking in the context and as I flowed into this earlier, looking back to chapter four, that you know our perspective is to be where we're going, not where we're at that one day God is gonna take us, that Jesus Christ is gonna come back in the clouds and he's gonna take us and we're gonna be together with him for all eternity. You know, you may be looking at your life and you may be thinking, yeah, you just don't know my individual circumstance. You know, that I just wasn't able to be with my family. I've been separated. I can't go to church and be with my church family. You may be saying, well, I'm, I'm, 
I've lost my job and so I've been searching for a job and I just don't know how um, eventually that I'm going to be able to support my family with, with all of the different things that are going on in my life. Or it may be even worse that you've lost a loved one and you're like, you know, how can we find joy in Thanksgiving at this time of the year whenever we're separated from someone that, that we've been with for years? How can we rejoice in that? And he says, because we're all going to be together again someday. And so we can rejoice in that. We can rejoice that God is going to bring us through whatever it is that we're going through. Maybe it's a temporary trial on this earth and he's going to see you through on the other side. Or maybe it's that you won't see it in this life, but one day we're going to be together with the Lord in the air. We're going to be with our friends and our loved ones that are gone and not with us here on this earth. We ought to be rejoicing because they're not having to go through what we had to go through in 2020. And I'm afraid for what's ahead of us even in the future while we're here on this earth. But not only does God give us this hope of the future, but he also gives us everything we need. Peter tells us that he gives us everything that we need for life and godliness, everything that we need in this life. But also in verses eight through 10, God has given us several things. He's given us a breastplate of faith and love, a helmet, the hope of salvation. He hasn't destined us for wrath, for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. And so he's given us a lot of things. He hasn't destined us for wrath. He is going to take us out. We think this world is bad in the times that we're living right now. There is a time that's coming that's gonna be much worse than it is right now. It's called the tribulation. And that's how we can have joy. We can have hope because we're not gonna have to go through that. The dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive are gonna be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air so we don't have to go through that time of tribulation so we can find joy in that. But that's not all that's found in the context. Going back to verse 11, he says, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing. In, in chapter five, verses 14 and 15 that I read earlier, where we have each other to help each other, to build up each other, to encourage one another. So not only do we have a hope in the eternal future, but we have each other. God has given us brothers and sisters in Christ to help us through our times of trial and tribulation. And so in that, we should find joy. We're never alone, although sometimes we feel like it. God is always with us. He says he never leaves us or forsakes us. What should we fear? He's given us one another and he's given us eternal hope. So we shouldn't live our lives in sadness and depression. We should live our lives rejoicing, praying without ceasing and in everything giving thanks. As I was going through and studying, I found this quote in the... Um, in, the, in one of the commentaries, and it says, the Christian who remains in sadness and depression really breaks a commandment. In some direction or other, he mistrusts God, his power, providence, forgiveness. Think about that. 
If you're living your life in sadness and depression, you're really mistrusting God. God gives us a command to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks. These are commands. This is God's will for us who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not saying, or God's word is not saying that there cannot be times of, of weeping. There can't be times of mourning. There can't be times of grief. I mean, even Solomon says that there is a time for every event under heaven. There's an appointed time, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Paul just told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, he says that we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. You see, he didn't say that we don't grieve at all. He says we grieve in a different way as one who has hope because we know that we're gonna be reunited with our friends and our loved ones. We're gonna be reunited with our Savior, Jesus Christ, one day. And so we can rejoice. We can have hope. We can have everything that we need. God gives it to us here in this life. So do we believe that God is in control, that he works all things together for good, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do we believe that he has gone to prepare a place for us and whenever he gets it ready, he'll receive us to himself so that where we are, he, we, where he is, we will be also. If we believe those truths that we find in God's word, then we should rejoice always. Do we believe in God's plan? Do we trust in God's plan, not only for our lives, but for our loved ones' lives? If we do, we can rejoice always. But also in the context, we see something else, and that leads us to verse 17, to pray without ceasing. How can we rejoice always? It deals with our communication and our connection with the heavenly father. You see, prayer is simply talking to God. This is how we communicate with him. It's how we maintain our fellowship with him. God longs to be with us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. He wanted to be with us so much that he sent his son to die for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the entire world so that we could be reconciled to him, so that we could have an eternal relationship with him. That's how much he longs to be with us. That's how much he longs to have communication with us on a regular and everyday basis. You know, Paul, as I said earlier, he, he, was, he was a good teacher, but he's also a good person to, to use an, as an example in our lives. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And he talked to, to the Thessalonians and he says, you're imitating me and the Lord. And because of that, you're a great example to other churches as well. See, our lives are not just for ourselves, but our lives are an example for other believers to help to imitate, to do the right things. And so we need to be living in the right way. We need to be living a life that we can say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so Paul is imitating. He's doing what he's telling these believers to do. He's, he's living it out in his life. 
If we look back to chapter one, verse two, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. In chapter three, verses nine and 10, he says, for what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account as we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face. You see, Paul was an example. He was praying for those people always, for his brothers and sisters in Christ. He was always praying for them. He says, night and day, I was praying for you. I was giving thanks. I was rejoicing. And what was he wanting to do? He was wanting to be with them, to see their face. Many of us are wanting that for each other, for our families. We are wanting to get together and see people face to face. We are wanting more people to be able to be in the building so that we can worship together and see each other face to face. And that's what Paul was praying in his life, that he could go back, that he could be with those people in Thessalonica And so he was praying for it. His life was an example. But also look at chapter three, verses nine and 10 and look at some of these words. For what thanks can we render to God, which we rejoice before our God on your account as we night and day keep praying. You see those words that he says that we are to live out as Christians, giving thanks, rejoicing, and night and day being in constant prayer He's living it out in his life. He's writing it. He says, this is what I do for you all. Some people, whenever they hear this verse, pray without ceasing. They think that they need to stop everything in their lives. This is the verse that says, you know, we don't need to work anymore. We don't need to do anything. All we need to do is sit around and pray. But that's not what the the word means. The, The Greek word has the idea of a hacking cough. And what do you do with the hacking cough? You take it with you wherever you go. Well, right now in our world, hopefully you're staying at home because if you bring a hacking cough wherever you go, everybody thinks you got COVID. But the truth is that word, it has the idea of a hacking cough and you take that hacking cough with you wherever you go. And so I think about whenever I put Lauren to bed at night and we say our prayers and she says, Daddy, whenever you you start the prayer, but at the end, Remember, don't say amen because I'm gonna continue the prayer on and I'll finish it with amen at the end because sometimes, you know, I just have that habit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, at the end of a prayer. She reminds me, don't do that. And I think that's what God is saying here. Whenever you get up in the morning, you start off your day in prayer. God, just thank you for another day. Um, I pray that you use me in whatever way that you see fit today. Help me to keep my eyes open for opportunities to to help other people, to share the good news message um, and all of these things. And we don't just say, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, I'll talk to you tonight. He wants us to take that prayer with us. He wants us to take that prayer to the shower. He wants us to take that prayer to breakfast. He wants us to take that prayer to work. He wants us to take that prayer to lunch. He wants us to take that prayer to that afternoon meeting that we have. He wants us to take that prayer back home to our family whenever we leave work in the evening. He wants us to take that prayer to bed at night and he wants us to finish our day in Jesus name we pray amen he doesn't just want a prayer here and there he wants us to be praying to be having that 
idea of consistency in prayer. He wants communication with us on a regular and everyday basis all throughout the day, not just at specific points and times throughout the day. When the hard things happen in our lives, what do we do? We just pray. We ask him for help. When the great things come, what do we need to do? We need to acknowledge his presence in them. But in everything, what are we to do? We are to give thanks. And that takes us to the final verse. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you who are in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for us. Notice that it doesn't say that we give thanks for everything. Thank you, God, that I got COVID. This is so exciting. No, it's not that. It's not, thank you, God, that I'm going through this hard trial. It's thanking him in the situation. We're thanking him in the situation because we know that he's in control of all things, that he works all things together for good. And we know that there is something that's good that's coming out of even the trial, the tribulation that we're going through in our lives. It may be growing us. It may be pointing us to help other people, but we can be thankful in it because we know that God is in it with us. And notice it says, in everything, give thanks. It doesn't say have a thankful attitude and and live in that way, but actually stop to give thanks in every circumstance, in every situation. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is one of my mom's favorite verses. And it says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. And if we're not worried about anything, then what do we have in our lives? We have joy. And how do we have joy in our lives? How do we not worry about anything? Well, that verse goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God. You see, all three of these things fit together throughout the Bible in many situations. We're rejoicing, we're thankful, and we're prayerful. They all go together. So we need to understand, we need to think on, we need to realize that God is in control. We need to hold to that promise. We need to know that he works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So do we love God? Do we trust God? Do we want to live according to his will? If we do, then we need to be rejoicing. We need to be praying. We need to be in everything, giving thanks. He uses the challenging circumstances in our lives to help us grow. He uses challenging circumstances in our lives to show others what he can do through the lives of believers. It may lead us, if we're living a life that is rejoicing always, that is praying without ceasing, in everything giving thanks, it may lead an unbeliever to come to us and say, with all that's going on in the world, with all that's going on in your life, how can you rejoice How can you be thankful with all that's going on? And that can lead you to giving them the message of good news, of great joy, which is for all people. How that baby that was born in Bethlehem is Jesus Christ. He is the savior of the world. He's the one who left the glories of heaven, became a man, died on the cross, paying for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the entire world. He arose from the grave conquering death so that whoever would believe in him 
would not perish, but have eternal life. If you are here today and you don't know where you would end up for all eternity, if you don't know that when Jesus Christ comes back that he would take you away with him, all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. That's what John three sixteen says, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We can rejoice, we can be thankful because we have eternal security in our Savior, Jesus Christ. It may also, if you're living a life that is rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, in everything, giving thanks, it may lead other believers who are not doing the same thing to look at your life and to ask you the question, how can you rejoice? How can you be thankful in this time? And you can lead them back to this passage of Scripture. And you can show them because my perspective is not earthbound, it's heavenbound. I know that I'm just on this earth and I'm just passing through, but my home is being prepared for me in heaven with my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I can rejoice, I can pray, and I can be excited about what God has in store for me. I can be thankful in every circumstance in my life. That's what God wants for us. So let's think about some applications and they're short and sweet, direct from the Bible. Number one, what are we to be doing? We're to do as God commanded us. We are to rejoice always. How can we do that? Because we look back on the promises that God has made us. We've got a future hope. We've got God with us. We've got God in us. You know, we talk about at Christmas time, Emmanuel, God with us. God left the glories of heaven and became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ lived on this earth so he could know what it was like to live like us. And where is he at now? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for us. He's interceding on our behalf. And so we can rejoice because of the hope that we have, because we have Christ in us and because we have other believers around us who are here to help us, to encourage us, to build us up and to show us a lifestyle of rejoicing and thankfulness and prayerfulness. So we can rejoice always. Number two is we need to pray without ceasing. We need to have an attitude of prayer. We need to go throughout our lives and keep that communication with God open because there is power in prayer. I was listening on the radio and I'm not sure who it was that was talking. I was just kind of in and out. But his overall um, thought that he was talking about is whenever Jesus was here with his disciples, you notice that the, the disciples didn't say, man, how do you calm storms like that? I want to know how to do that. Or he didn't say, you know, how do you heal people the way you do? Because I want to know how to heal people. What did they ask Jesus? They asked him, how do we pray? because they understood that there's power in prayer. The power to do the miracles comes through the connection with the Father that Jesus had, and they wanted to know how to connect in that way. You say, man, I'm struggling in these areas of rejoicing, of praying without ceasing, in everything, giving thanks. You want to do something, you want to pray about it, because God will listen to you whenever you pray according to his will. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, then he will give us what it is 
that we pray for. You know, so often in life, we pray things and we say, you know, man, I I pray that God, if it be your will, that this person would be healed. Or God, if it be your will, that this contract will go through today. But with this area, rejoicing, praying without ceasing and in everything, giving thanks. This is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So if you're struggling with it, pray about it. He hears your prayer and he will grant your request. And then number three, in everything, give thanks. We need to be people who are giving thanks for what it is that we have. Although there are so many things that are, that are going wrong in the world and in our country um, and maybe even in our personal lives, we have so much to be thankful for. We're thankful that we have brothers and sisters in Christ, that we have God in us, that we have a home that's being prepared for us, that this place is not not our home, that this is just a temporary dwelling place until we get to be with our heavenly father for all eternity. We have great, we have, we can give thanks because our attitudes, our lifestyle and how we live has no effect on our eternal home, where we're going to live. It does have an effect on how we're going to live out all eternity, but it doesn't affect where we're going to live out all eternity. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he promises us that we have eternal life, an eternal relationship, an eternal home that is being prepared for us. And once we get there, we'll be there for all eternity with our heavenly father. We'll come back to this earth for a thousand years and he'll set up our new home that we will be with him for all eternity. So we have plenty to be thankful for. So in closing, let's remember as we walk out these doors today, let's rejoice always. Let's pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks because that is God's will for you in Christ Jesus.